iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. What do you do? I pre-encode LAR files for SMG listserv. I think it just took a nap in the middle of what you just said. Thank you. We have a five-year-old daughter, and we're looking to get her into kindergarten this fall. <laughs> On planet Earth. That's a good one. So, homeschooling it is. What are we supposed to do? A consultant? What are you going to give me that I can throw? I wrote the goodbye poem in our high school yearbook. Bingo! You're not really going to tell people I'm a poet. Check it out. It's an instant message chain between me and this fantastic chick I met at the Nectar Room. Oh my god. How lucky are you that I kept every one of these pics? She actually wants you to talk to her like this? Oh, sort of an E.E. E. Cummings style, all lowercase. Jessica 619, I'm in a cab. Clark Metz 1, I want to destroy you tonight. If Jeff's book lives up to expectation, I can't imagine that Beatrice's admission would be much of an issue at all. I don't know if Catherine told you, but I actually studied poetry back at Barnard. We're dead. The cost of living in New York City has just gone up. To my new pal, Johnny Keats. Open to page 31. I wonder if I don't detect a whiff of the ribaldry of Moliere here. Tonight's gonna be your odyssey. This is gonna be the most fun ever, and I wouldn't even dream of saying no. This man is bringing poetry to the Upper East Side. He's not a poet. He's been lying the entire time. You can lie all you want on your resume, but don't tell me you've been lying to me. Of course I'm a poet. Ladies and gentlemen, the poet, Jeffrey Chizinski. <clears throat> Improv formula, all like Ginsburg style. Um, we really have to do more. Like we can turn back now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Stu Von Airsdale of Movie Line, and tonight's guests, Patricia Weiser, Rob Weiser, and Emily Tremaine. How's it going? Thank you very much for coming. Really appreciate it. Thank all three of you for coming. We may have an extra guest on the way. Z. Uh, so congratulations on getting this one to the screen in New York this weekend, right? This weekend, starting tomorrow at the Quad Cinema. Fantastic. So how's, this, go see how's this feel? Because it's been gestating for a while, obviously, and now it's finally in New York. So uh, how's this moment feel right now? Nerves, apprehensions, excitement? It's very exciting. I mean, obviously, we've been screening this movie all around the country, and it's sold out 200 theaters around the country, and everyone, it's literally sold out, and everyone's laughing, and they love it. So we really can't wait for New York to really see it big. And, and we screened it a few times here, but this is the big thing, and, and we're excited, yeah, and have so, more and more people see it. Yeah, so obviously we saw the trailer just now, and um, so we have kind of a sense of it, what it's about, but how did it begin? How did it come to you, and how did you all get involved? It started in a hot tub at Sundance. As all good As stories all things, do. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, we were, my husband and I had a film at Sundance in 2008 called Bigger, Stronger, Faster. 
documentary film about sports and steroids. And um, we met Josh Shelov, the writer-director of Best and the Brightest. He was a friend of our producer on that project. And, and true to form, it was Rob and Josh and the other uh, executive producer of this film, Richard Schifrin, all were in the hot tub talking about like what we're all going to do together. And it was decided that night that Best and the Brightest was it. It's what we needed to do. Actually, I'd like to clarify. <laughs> Patty always tells that story wrong. Actually, we were talking about a completely different project that night in the alleged hot tub. And we were going to make that movie. And then Josh Shaloff had a change of heart. And we made the comedy instead. So although I hate to tread on Patty's story, she always There was always a lot of tequila. Wrong. I'm sticking with What was story. the other movie? <laughs> <laughs> the other That's movie it. was actually the good movie. <laughs> totally good. The, uh, and, and I will say, going back to your first question, this is very much a New York movie, a New York story. We've screened the film all over the country, and the film plays well. Basically, the smarter and funnier the audience is, the better the film plays. And I can't think of a better place than that than New York. And of course, New York, uh, a farcical version of New York inspired the film. So this is very much down the middle for for smart New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. And we have screened it here a bunch of times and, and it really plays, it plays like gangbusters. Yeah. Emily, how'd you get involved? I auditioned. <laughs> Perfect. And, um, I, I loved the script from reading the whole script and it was, I was really excited when I got cast in it. And it was interesting because we shot a lot of the movie in Philadelphia, but the whole thing takes place in New York and it was interesting to see how they manipulated the sets and the parks and the nightclubs to make it look like New York. And that, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. No, in, in Philly, you know, a lot of the architecture in Philly is similar to New York. And it wasn't, it wasn't like we made Phoenix New York City. Um, and I would defy all but the most hardcore New Yorkers to, you know, to see Philly in the movie. It's... It, it, it's a good natural fit, even before you dress the set or anything like that. I was surprised, actually, to hear that there was any shooting in Philadelphia. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was literally 24 days in Philly and only two here. Wow. Shouldn't have said anything. That was a lie. Said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, That's something else. Wow, okay. Um, so this is about, but it's about a quintessential New York quest, which is, you know, the quest to get your kids into the best school possible. Um, is this something you are familiar with at all, uh, this, this kind of setting and this... Our writer-director, Josh Shelov, and, and his co-writer, Michael Yeager, had been going through this. Michael's in L.A. and Josh was here. They were trying to get their five-year-olds, and they just kind of thought, we got to write something about this. And that, that is how the story began, that, through their own personal experience. I, I do have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old in school now, and it's in Philly, and it's not anywhere near what goes on here to get your kid into school. Um, so it, it is based in a, in a real situation. And in fact, Josh, when he wrote, when they wrote the film, they had this bulletin board with pictures of actors who they had in mind. They were like, right, this is who would be that person. And they wrote the part of the player for Chris McDonald, who is on his way. And they, they wrote He's certain so parts for the people who actually you know, are in the film. So it's been, it was really fun to see that kind of come to life, what they were hoping for. And by the way, the quintessential part of this to me, like to me, the school was always a bit of a MacGuffin. Um, to me, the school was a setup. To me, the quintessential New York part of this story is this idea of coming here, not knowing anybody, and kind of figuring out a way to get what you want and making it. And that, to me, is the universal part of the story. And, I, and frankly, I think that's why people in 
Cincinnati respond so well to it because they don't know the first thing about the Upper East Side or getting your kid into a private school. It's really a totally foreign concept to them. I, the, thing, the thing that they're responding to is this, the protagonist, Bonnie Somerville, kind of going after what she wants and getting it. Think Tootsie. I mean, what do you do when you're in New York and you don't have money or connections and you want to get what you want? You pretend you have money and connections and, and then the fun ensues. I gotta, I gotta try that. I gotta, <laughs> seriously, gotta try that. Um, okay, so you mentioned Chris McDonald was in mind for the role of the player, but talk about the rest of the cast. I mean, it's a very strong ensemble that you have here. How did it, how did it come together? It all started with Amy Sedaris. Uh, she read the script and loved it and signed on, and Neil, Neil read the script and loved it. But as soon as we got Amy, Neil got on two seconds later, and, and from there it just it just really snowballed to where we where we ended up. And we really were, th those two were really the actor magnets in the whole project. Once those two signed on, it was very easy to cast everything else. And, and I will tell you that one of the things that, that drew us to the script was the fact that all these other strong writers, like Amy and John Hodgman, the, the fact that they were so attracted to the story, and in fact there were, there were no rewrites on the screenplay, we essentially, um, if you were to believe Patty's hot tub story, we, we basically shot the screenplay that we read in the hot tub and that we discussed in the hot tub. So you've got this gang of strong writers. And by the way, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is also producing more these days. So you had this kind of gang of writers who kind of signed off on this script. And you know there were, there were very few ad-libs in the, in the picture. Um, Amy probably more than anyone. Uh, but the, the fact that so many other good writers were so strongly drawn to it, uh, that actually made it quite easy to cast. And, and the two people that everybody wanted to work with were Neil and, and Amy. Great. Um, why don't we watch a clip from the film? That'd be delightful. And the brightest. We always meet here. Well, kids, it has been a blast and a half, but I really am confident, Joe. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that this was that kind of a party, pal. Actually... This is just, um, what would you call it, Jeff? Gosh, it's so hard to say. Say nothing, old friend. Miss, I don't believe I've had the pleasure. Damn right, because you'd remember. I don't remember. Please. Come out of the cold, my love. Mojito? So you know, one thing that I noticed about this film and this script and ensemble comedies in general, with independent films, you don't usually have a lot of time to rehearse. And I, I got the feeling, though, that this cast just got on so quickly. Was there rehearsal time? Was there, was there some kind of exchange there beforehand, finding these characters, finding this story, fleshing it out? Josh talked. Uh, I wouldn't say there was a lot of classic rehearsal, uh -huh. um, like you would have for a play, for example. On the other hand, Josh spent a lot of time talking with the actors regarding their roles, and I think, as much as anything else, like uh, there are obviously some 
fine actors in this movie, frankly, better than, better than we deserve. And I think as much as anything else, Josh was looking for fit because all these people are obviously terrific actors that can do lots of different things. And I, I think the rehearsal was, was small but critical. Um, I will say, like a, lot of, like a lot of indie pictures, the cast, and maybe Emily could talk about this, but there was definitely, uh, there was definitely a cohesion. I think people thought it was... It was even different for an indie comedy. You know, um, frankly, you know, my wife and I produce independent pictures, but a lot of independent movies to me are dreck, or uh, there's a reason why there's no audience for those pictures. And it's because either the stories aren't well told or they're not well executed, or, or you know, they're boring. You know, um, I actually thought this was the, one of the more original comedic ideas we'd seen in a while. And, and if you see the picture, you'll see that this is not kind of your, your well-intentioned uh, indie comedy. This is a different kind of Judd Apatow-type comedy, and we kind of let the chips fall where they may. And, and I will tell you that as much as anything else, that's what drew me personally to the project. This idea that, you know, it didn't have any redeeming value. That, you know, it was, it was a, meant to be a, a funny farce and a kind of go-for-it type picture that you don't, you don't see too much in the independent world. So to, to that end, how is, how is... Oh, the player <laughs> is in the house. Player's in the house. Christian McDonald, everybody. I couldn't ask directions. See how that works? Thanks. Absolutely. Hang on, Chris. I'm Stu. Nice to meet nice you. To meet you. Welcome. Kids. <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy. How are you? Thanks. It's very rarely happens, but you know, it's fun. It is fun. A little surprise. Oh, why don't you take this seat right here? Neil Patrick Harris will be here in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were downstairs checking out the iPads, right? I couldn't get torn away. Exactly. Exactly. We were just talking about the the feel of ensemble comedy and uh, and especially just kind of you know we don't have a lot of rehearsal time in these movies. You got to get them. How was how was the feel on set, especially for the actors? How was the feel? How was the kind of culture on set? If you want, we can start with Emily. If you want to take a absolutely. Okay. It was really fun. We I I didn't have that much rehearsal at all, but we um, the feel between the actors on the set was great. We went out for margaritas. Everyone talked to everyone, and it was really, um, it was a great vibe and really fun. And I think it's definitely reflected in the film and in everything that we did on set and even off set outside. It was just, it was great. Like we all hung out. I concur. That was absolutely true. It starts at the top. These guys are the best producers. Drives a very cool car, <laughs> and uh, Philadelphia was a rocking place to shoot. And uh, there's just so many great places to go there. So we, we had, as a group, we just hung out a lot. Uh, uh, but on the set, it was it starts with Josh Shellov too. Where's Josh? Josh's, Josh train, Josh's train actually derailed, and that's not a joke. His his train literally derailed. Nobody was harmed. My life is derailing, but his train. <laughs> derailed. All right, good. And that's why Josh, who was supposed to be here, is running running a bit late. Yeah. It's it's a, you mentioned just a moment ago about the. Uh, I'm sorry? Well, Chris, well, Chris. Well, one thing I was just talking about was, was how I thought, I thought this was quite different than most like indie comedies in that it was kind of a go-for-it type of picture. Um, did, you, did you feel that way too? Well, I definitely or? felt that way when um, the, the lovely woman was playing my wife. Um, 
she and I got together and we went, uh, are there people like this in New York City? And so we thought, really? Wow. She, she's more of that, runs around with that, uh, that party that, more than I do, but I thought, okay. So we had to put ourselves together and really embrace it because the comedy is really in your face, but at the same time it's in your face. It's also getting you laughing and then pouring the truth in because trying to get your kid into any school in New York City in a, in a private venue is uh, <laughs> nearly impossible to yeah. do. So, so it has a lot of, and, and, and you didn't spare any names. They used the right, uh, the right school names. So it's, uh, it, as funny as the movie is, it has a lot of truth to it. And uh, I don't know. The thing about, that, about this film in particular, and, and some of the, the films in the genre you're talking about, Judd Apatow kind of range, I mean, we have a kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a, a really great time right now for adult oriented comedies, adult farces, R-rated comedy. So I guess, how far do you want to push that, though, in a film like this? Because it is about the subject it's about. And so, I mean, how far do you want to push that? How far do you intend to push that? It's, it's funny you mention that. One, one thing that we talked a lot about uh, in pre-production or when we were working on the script was tone. And we think it, that's probably the most important thing. And if you read some of the lines in the script, it's, it's hardcore stuff. And I was actually pleased, like after the first few days of shooting, it became very clear to me that Josh was gonna make a, I don't know, it's, it's corny, but a picture with a good heart, even though you have some tough language. Um, to me, like the, the tone was critical. And I think, I, frankly, I just think that comes from the intelligence and the sensibility of the filmmaker. And if the filmmaker isn't in the, isn't in the right place, that material can come out, you know, dirty as opposed to sharp. Yeah. I don't. I don't no, I does, does that go to your? I, I, I understand. Your character, I heard, was written in with you in mind, correct? That's what Josh told me. They um, they, they brought me into this restaurant in uh, New York City and told me that they had me in mind when they wrote it. And uh, and I said after I read, it, I went, really? Why? Um, so, but I guess he just likes that I play those uh, those uh, likable villains. And if there's a villain with a piece, I guess it's sort of me because I kind of push things around in a certain way that can make things happen. But being that it was a lovely comedy and that I, I believe in his rap so much, it becomes very, very funny. And uh, I was honored that they, that they thought of me of that. But I, and at the same time, I was kind of questioning because the player is, is, is really quite a character. I actually went to this place called La Trapeze. Anyone? La Trapeze? No Good one times. would admit that. Yeah. <laughs> Went there, you know, research. <laughs> Come on. So went there, uh, left about 20 minutes later, very dirty. I felt very dirty, took a cold shower. But uh, I wanted to, I, that was one of the biggest scares of the film for me was, to, was doing that scene in there. But it's, uh, Josh did it with great, uh, you know, great comical. I mean, we stayed on the bubble and it was quite. Well, and that, that, is, that is what I was trying to convey about staying on the bubble. Like when we were actually shooting, you would see that to me, they, they were always making like the smarter choice and the more intelligent choice. So again, if you have something that's, that could be kind of on the line or on the razor's edge and you're, you have really smart people kind of making the choices like Chris and Josh, then it comes out one way. And then maybe if people aren't quite so gifted, it comes out, it comes out another way. And, and I, I, don't think, I don't think we would have been interested in making that other movie. Um, and, and, I, and I think that kind of smart people aiming down the middle 
is a, is a great way to make films. So I think this is, it's a little bit unusual, but, but not so foreign as to be that different. I'd like to go to another clip, but first, just really quick, let me ask you, Chris, who is the player? Can you, can, can you tell the audience who is the player? What can they expect from your character in this film? Well, the background of the player is he's a man who's uh, hit it big and timed right and left the market with oodles of dough. And uh, so he doesn't have to work much. And what he likes to do in his free time is uh, do something good for the city. So he basically, he's the guy that runs these, and I may be wrong about this, but he runs the, uh, he's the guy to go to if you want to get your kid into the school. He's kind of, that, kind of a player that way. He gets things done. He knows the right people. He's not one of those guys, but I wouldn't put it by him. He, uh, he, works, in the, he works in the world and, and uh, that you need favors, you need uh, to know somebody, and he's the, he's the guy that knows everybody so he can make things happen. And uh, it was a really genius thing. Like, you know, Amy Sedaris in this movie is so funny. She uh, by far has my favorite lines in the movie. But she said about the player, I mean, they decide to go over the head of Jenna Stern's character, who's also great in the movie, go over the head of the, of the people involved and get to the man. And that's how this whole shenanigan starts and runs and it's, it's quite funny, but he's, he's the person, like if you want to get something done, you would go to Steve Jobs. I'm not saying I'm Steve Jobs, I would say, I am the guy that knows Steve really well, so we could get something done that way. I, uh, I was just wondering when you mentioned about the uh, schools, you used the real names, and did, did, did you expect any, uh, do you anticipate any reaction or did you check, run by, you know, any lines by the schools first or? Is that something that just you don't really... No, but if anyone wants to protest the movie, we'd be more than happy to have the publicity. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Getting sued isn't necessarily a bad thing in movie distribution that, world. That's for sure. But it, was, it wasn't derogatory about the schools, just showing the, the reality of it, the impossibility of getting your child in. Yeah, we, literally, we literally just mentioned, I believe when, when the Bonnie Somerville character, Sam, goes to explore the schools the first time, she has a checklist, I believe, with all the names that you would all know. And it's kind of nice. I have friends that went to a lot of the schools, and it's kind of like a shout-out to all the schools. <laughs> right here um, in the fourth okay. row. Yes, over here. Uh, Chris, uh, the, uh, the towel in the nectar room scene was priceless. Uh, was that an improv thing? Uh, and how much did improv uh, play in you know, the, the, whole, the whole movie? I, I think that there, action improv is different from line improv. I think there was not a lot of line improv in this movie because it was really down to a really tight script when we got it. The towel was inspired, thank you. Um, I put it on so tight that it lifted my eyebrow up when I saw it. I thought, that's classy. And, uh, but it was very funny. That was Josh's idea, actually, just to, say, to put it on. And I, and I uh, had watched my sisters do it for years and tucked it up there. and uh, it, it was pretty funny. But that was, that was the scene, was the beginning of this little clip you just saw was, uh, you know, the, the secret um, flesh club, if you will. And uh, what, a, what a blast issue it. It was just too much fun. Fourth row to your right. Hey, Chris, got a question for you. You mentioned earlier that uh, you're kind of in the likable villain category a lot. Is that something maybe you find yourself drawn to, or is it just something that became a trend and you sort of picked it up and run with it just over the course of, of your career? Well, that's a, that's a good question, because uh, some people say it's, you know, it, it, I could go down as the most likable villain or the most, the, the most uh, uh, accomplished comedy villain or something like that versus, like, being, oh, my God, you're, you're playing another villain? Do you, do you do anything else? So, I mean, that's, when I read those blogs, it's like, does he do anything else but a villain? And then all the, you know, the Star Trekker people come in and 
save the day, and the Leave it to Beaver, Beaver people come in and go, he was Ward Cleaver, nicest man in show business. Uh, but it, it's, uh, it's something I enjoy doing, because it's so far from me, but of course, everybody's got that streak in them, and you really can get away with murder. I mean, one of my favorite actors, Betty Davis, was the best villain, to watch, totally watchable as a villain, and you know, good as a as a you know as a as a hero a heroine, but God, was she brilliant and dark and funny as a villain, and that kind of stuff is inspirational to me. And I thought that uh, it's so different from my life that I, I that I just I latch onto them. I think there's a lot of fun to do. Actually, keep, don't t- let them keep fool telling yourself yeah, that. Don't let them fool you. <laughs> he really is the likable villain in real life. Although when you mentioned the blog, I had a question. Do you actually read reviews? Do you read your notices? Well, if I was in a play, I don't think I would because that would affect the, uh, the next night. So I, you kind of save them to the end. But you hear little things. I heard good news. Hey, the Times, baby. Right. But um, for the most part, I don't until... But in film, it's easier because it's after the fact. Opening nights are a lot easier for a film because it's either there or it's not. But on, you, don't, you certainly don't like seek them out. Like when the, so you won't pick up the Times tomorrow to specifically see the review in this picture? That no. would be... I, I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll come out. Someone will let me know. My you know, clipping people will get to me and say if it's good. If it's not, I don't think they tell you. Uh, if you believe the good ones, you've got to believe the bad ones. So I just kind of take it. That's someone's opinion. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, they can really sway a lot of people. Um, the movie stands on its own. I think the, the movie will get uh, eyes on it and people will tell other people and through word of mouth, I think, alone it'll get a lot of But do you think play. Critic could actually teach you anything? Do you think you could actually learn anything from, do you think you could actually learn anything about doing this from reading something that was, you know, something that was thoughtful? Well, there are a lot of brilliant reviewers out there. That's no question about it. If they said something that was constructive rather than, you know, again, putting me in that, that, that capsule of uh, he's a villain again uh, and just seeing how I just kind of played with it and made it more and made it pop a little bit more I think that would be uh, helpful but I mean if this you know Pauline Kael writes like we used to write these amazing reviews and and that was uh, it was it was either devastating to an actor or made their career and she did that a lot she did so, that with pictures too yeah with pictures as well and directors yeah go back to the crowd here we got one third over. row center yeah, I have a question for Emily. I'd like to hear uh, from an actor's point of view why you think, what sets this movie apart from other independent films? What was it like for you to work on it? All that sort of stuff. Wow. It's, um, it's, it was a really smart script and seeing it after, I've seen a couple screenings of it and it's interesting afterwards, like everyone was, everyone had questions for Amy at this uh, one talk back we went to and a lot of the things she had improved, but she took it from the script and it was just a really interesting script to read but also what it had to say about New York it was just a totally different story and a lot of people do think that you can come here and get your kid and no problem and it's a it's, it's totally site specific to New York and I loved that when reading it and um, I, I was really excited with everyone that was in it and I'm not, am I answering it? <laughs> You look really beautiful, by the way. Hey, thanks. <laughs> My girlfriend in the movie, that's right. That's right. Some of the perks of being the player. He cheated on his wife with me in the movie. It's not a girlfriend. <laughs> it's true. Was this script smarter than what you typically see, Em? Yeah, definitely. And I read a lot of, you know, I'm not as far along in my career as Chris is, and so I read a lot of scripts that are indies and set in New York, and it was awesome and really interesting and smart and funny and... Encourage everyone to see it. And again, I, I like the fact that the script aims so high and so low at the same time. 
you know, a lot of the jokes in the script are very, very smart. And unless you're, you know, following along, you're not going to get it. And what we've found is, you know, you can make a studio comedy out of the script we shot. And, or I should say, but if you do that, um, it's inevitably going to be dumbed down, you know, sexed down. And it's, 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 it would be somewhat unfortunate, but you could have made a studio comedy with this type of script in a $50 million budget. You say you could have. Sure. Yeah. Now, what do you think of the, I think the, the diciest material in this script, I think, was probably him reading back those lines in the final scene. And, and I thought, wow, it was done with such, it was, and, and of course, Jenna also reading the, the line, reading the poem, and it was just done with such, talk about being like real beautifully on the edge. Could have gone either way. And that to me was like, was one of the funnier scenes of the movie. And, and, but that point is that, anyway, go ahead. No, I, th I, think the read I think the readings, and yours in particular, Chris, really, give, give, the, give the script a lot of life. Like the script may have been smart and funny, but it's really Chris and Amy, you know, with, with this panache, um, doing the line readings that really gives the film life. I think those Thank two you. scenes get cut out of a Hollywood movie. That's what I, I was saying. Many, there, there's too many people that are going to be offended by it. And, and in fact, during our process, you know, we had to reshoot one of them because we had a, a big investor who was really offended by a couple of the jokes. And he's like, yeah. really, my wife doesn't like this. And so we, we shot an alternate scene. And then, and then after screening it a few times and having them see it and see how funny it was, and it was really just poking fun at this absurd thing, we turned them around and they, and they supported it and we, we got the movie we wanted. But when you get to a bigger level and so many more people involved, I think it just gets cut and they put something safer in it. Absolutely. They have committees that, that do yeah. things like that. But I thought it was, it was handled really well in this movie. And I remember the same remember investor <laughs> didn't like a line I had to say in the movie. Um, something about a, a religion. Anyway, um, but it was, or it was actually, my wife has said it actually, yes. uh, Kate. Well, that's one thing. Kate Mulgrew, by the way, is the sweetest, nicest person and the classiest person probably in the whole cast. And, and about 80% of her lines are making some type of totally ethnic or racial slur. Of She's an amazing type. theater actress. Talk about delivery, though. She has a lower voice than I do. Kate, Kate Mulgrew. She's, so she's amazing. You and, you and Kate batting it back and forth is, uh, is good stuff. It good is. banter, yeah. We have another question over here on the side. Yes, we have time for two more questions. This is the first one. Uh, Chris, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Um, what was it like working on Requiem? And just curious, there was three things that were said in the show Juice, and the third one was never mentioned. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Can you say I do, it? and it's deep on the internet, and I can't tell you out loud right now because it's, you know, I'd have to kill you. Sorry. <laughs> No, it, uh, Darren Aronofsky is a brilliant director. Um, he would never do a movie like this because I don't know if he's got that kind of... He's a funny man, but he's also very, very experimental and very out there and very ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Well, a brilliant time to work with him. I didn't work long enough on that movie, and that movie was a lot of improvisation for me. And, um, and with him on the set, he would just make things up and people would do different things. And it was uh, The writing and the acting was, was, uh, was, was, was really really communal in that movie, which was a blast. And I'm glad you loved it, because I love that movie, too. And uh, uh, the other question was what? Oh, yeah, the third thing. Are you going to kill Yeah, Juice, I, I, I can't really tell you. But there's a website you can look it up. 
Because he would get mad, actually, if I told by, you. By the way, one thing I would add, the, the, the script that we were actually talking about in the hot tub, the one that we were actually discussing, Darren Aronofsky used to have the option on. And at one time, Darren and Josh were working on that project. Yeah, Maybe and, he'll be in that one next. And in fact, <laughs> Darren was hustling for the wrestler at the same time as he was hustling money for this other thing. And he got the wrestler financing first and made the wrestler. This is history. Last question. Yes, right here in the fourth row, all the way over on your right. Yeah, my question, I kind of have two in one, so my, I don't need to hold it right. The first question was um, the, the difference between the independent films and you were saying a film in the studio. So what's the biggest difference? Like, that's my first question. And my second question was as far as getting scripts um, as independent um, producers, how, how do you come about those? Like, how do those present it to you? Good questions. Good question. I'll answer the first one because from an actor's point of view, a studio picture, they're out to make money, period. I mean, not that that's not what independent film is about because they're out to make money also, but studio pictures will do these tentpole films that are guaranteed to be a home run in a lot of ways. I mean, they, they, they have to hedge their bets that way. That's why you'll see the Green Hornet coming out and it'll be a huge... They, have, they dump tons of money. They make a movie for $100 million and spend... $85 million in promoting it. Completely different world in the, in, the, in the independent world as far as selling a movie. They're more character driven. That's why we're attracted to them as actors. There's much more of the human condition in them. But, you know, they, they also live on forever because film is forever. But they also have a, have a, have a niche that's, that's so needed because the big ten poles are you know, acting against green screen. And as an actor, it's fun. You do it. It's like, <gasps> you know, there's King Kong and the thing. But there's nothing like doing a scene with, with, with someone in an uh, independent film that is uh, in its raw, it's taking you to a place that you would never normally go. So I don't know if that answers your question. It's just from the actor's point of view, it is very interesting because there's like eight people that work in the films in, in, the, uh, in the, uh, the world of studios, I swear. It's like the same guy. Tom Cruise again in another big movie. Um, but, you know, they produce them and they, and they make lots of money and they do... And they do uh, great things, and that's why we love them, but at the same time, for the actor, the real, I think the real acting, and the real chance to, to really branch out and test yourself and stretch yourself, comes in the material you'll find in an independent film, nine times out of ten. I'll take the second question, and I guess it goes to the field of dreams. If you make it, they will come. I, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, when we wrapped this movie, I went back to my law firm office, and there was a stack of scripts this high on my desk from people I didn't know. Um, but once you do this and once you interact with, you know, a certain group of people and, and people get to know your name, my name's up on this board, someone here is going to email me a script tomorrow. You know, if you Google my name, you'll find my email address. And, and it really comes to meeting people and getting to know people and, and wanting to find the next project that you really want to do. So I take them all. I read them all. I have other people read them and help me read them. And it, it's really just a matter of, of connecting with people and, and, and the scripts just keep coming. That is all the time we have. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. Thank you very much for coming out tonight. The Best and Brightest opens tomorrow at the Quad. Tell your friends, go check it out, and have a great evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, sir.